Welcome back to the Coffee House Theater Company podcast. Are you not saying it with no. me? No. <laughs> I'm not saying it anymore. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Be that way. Yeah, no. We, we sh- Next time I'll say it with you again. I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> You're a mess. <sighs> no, why do we always do that? Okay. Okay. How are so, you doing? I'm great, I guess. I don't like technology, though. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. We did so many sound checks because, well, it wasn't all my fault, but it was mostly my fault. This is why technology is my job. Yep. <laughs> but other than that, I'm doing pretty good, I guess. Wonderful. Are you doing great? I'm thriving. I had my camp today, which was day three, nine to five again. It was fun. We had a music teacher from Emerson College come on today, and we had a guy who is in Come From Away on Broadway. Oh, my. So we did two master classes today. Is it the today. same guy from Come... Or, no, I no, don't... No, wait. He's, he's in Canada. DeLon Grant was, I think, I think what his name was. Okay. So he's on Broadway right now in Come From Away. Okay. And I was I was thriving. I'm really happy with my song, so and my monologue. I'm vibing. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's great. Um, today we got Rachel's coffee because we were too lazy <laughs> to get other coffee. We have a Keurig coffee. Sorry about that. What is it called? Well, that's mine. That's not yours. Well, <laughs> she has the cap- hazelnut cappuccino that I had a few episodes ago. Yeah. And I have a Caribbean Delight coconut caramel and hazelnut flavored coffee medium roast. But I'm afraid to try it because I think it's too hot. It's like burning. So I'll try it in a little bit. We, we don't drink hot coffee. Yep. <laughs> As we said Although like, so many times. this is the second episode that I've had hot coffee. First for you. I right? can't keep track. Wait. Nuh-uh. Well, okay. I got hot coffee, but when I drank it, it wasn't oh, hot. <laughs> so I was like. We also had the, I guess we also had the cappuccinos from Shell. Okay, yeah, so we, we disregard everything we said. <laughs> <laughs> we are expanding our horizons. Um, we do have some news, though, for today. Woo, woo. Okay, Rachel's just not going to say anything. Just like She's you didn't make, say the you're title. You're going to me say everything. <clears throat> so, there is a local coffee shop called New Bremen Coffee Shop in New Bremen, Ohio. And we are working with them. And, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, you can find their products online at nbcoffee.com under the Order Online tab. So we will put a little link in the description of this episode so you can find that. Yes, we're not drinking their coffee today. Not today, but, but we have before, and we are going to be doing more with that. Wink, wink. I'm just going to stay quiet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you make me do everything. Okay. Um... Okay, mm. whatever. <laughs> oh, I just took your dog out to go to the bathroom. You did. I was in the middle of something though, so I'm fine now. Okay, so do you want to tell them our other news? Our other other news is it's a guest star episode. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> they do not like us. Our guest they stars don't. do not like us. You have heard us talk about them, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so introducing Ray Cooney and Jason McGraw. I don't really think we got a really good enough introduction. I didn't feel I the enthusiasm. I think they should do it again. I think they should. Okay, Rachel, you got it. Okay. Project. Intro <laughs> 
introducing Ray Cooney and Jason McGraw. Jason McGraw. That was okay, I guess. Sound, okay. You sound like you're like constipated though. <laughs> Wow. That's not. <laughs> well, that's we don't need. To <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so. So you asked and we listened and brought on directors so you can hear it straight from them. Yeah. So, um, we're gonna have some questions, and first of all, Ray and Jason are gonna kind of describe uh, what they do and what they're involved in. Um, and what shows they've directed, so. So I'm Ray and I'm Vice President of Jay County Civic Theater. Um, I have directed two shows. Uh, Shrek the Musical was my first one and Rachel was in that. And I also directed a play that's named Parlor Games. I almost forgot the name of the play. <laughs> <laughs> Directed a play called Parlor Games, and I was going to direct uh, Freaky Friday, like, right now, except uh, coronavirus, so we're currently not doing that, and then I've also assistant directed a bunch of stuff that Jason's done, so he'll run off his list. <laughs> he probably doesn't know his whole uh, list off the top of his head. I should have made notes. Now, Jason has directed more shows than anyone in Jay County Civic Theater history, so he's got quite a few. He's a veteran. So that means at least three I gotta come up with, right? At least. Okay. I can think of two. Uh, I didn't mean to step, are you, are you done and introduce yourself? I'm good. Okay. Uh, so uh, my name is Jason McGraw, and um, uh, by day I work in a factory as a safety coordinator, and by night I sometimes do theater or various other, I guess, activities. Um, I've done theater for, man, a long time, 30 years probably. Um, started off uh, doing uh, shows in junior high and high school and started with Civic back in 1992, I believe it was, 91, 92. Um, and I've directed several shows. I, I don't even remember how many I'm up to now. Quite a few. 12 or 13, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, the, the first show I directed was um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat back in 2001, two, I think it was 2002. Um, I've co-directed Secret Garden. Um I directed The King and I, I've done Grease, uh, gosh, Little Mermaid, uh, Christmas Carol, uh, Newsies. Most recently, Frozen Junior. Frozen Junior. Um, goodness, I, I don't even remember, remember them all. I've done a couple Christmas uh, collaboration type uh, projects. Um, um, I've been on the board for, I think this is my 18th total year, two different uh, terms. So um, it's it's fun. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Get to meet a lot of new people, which is one of the reasons why I keep coming back to do it. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about my background, I guess. But I'm sure there's other shows. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. You did pretty good. That was a yeah, lot. Yeah, that was more than... 
Miracle. I should probably remember, yeah. Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah, Miracle Street. on 34th Street. I did that one too, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of them. Uh, it's, it's fun. Every one of them has been unique and different, so. I've also directed that many shows. <laughs> <laughs> and then you woke up, right? <laughs> no, I <laughs> no. They, they also remember 1992. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I have vivid memories. Oh yeah, of 1992. That was the time to be alive. <laughs> let me tell you. Gosh, you know, I, I realized the other day that um, kids like that graduated this year wasn't even around for 9/11, and that's just kind of like one of those things. that's like, man, time just goes fast you know so hi (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh so you guys you didn't want to say anything else ray didn't say much yeah jason had his whole life story over here well jason's jason has been involved in theater a lot longer than i have but i'll give you the by day i'm the editor and publisher of the commercial review which is a newspaper in portland indiana and i Pretty much have been involved in theater for a little over three years. Uh, it started because uh, Jason was a reader who would harass me about the New England Patriots, and I kind of got the idea that I might want to be involved in theater. I sent him a Facebook message and ended up as his assistant, and then assistant director for the next show, and then directed Shrek the Musical for my I, third show. I believe you came and you <laughs> and I said to you. Uh, what is it you are looking to do? And you said, anything you want me to do. And I was like, door is open. Yeah. And uh, so I got roped into a lot of things. But yeah. it's been it's been really fun. I really enjoyed the first show we did together was Little Mermaid, and and it's just been a really good time since then. It still blows my mind that you've not been friends with him much longer than you have with me. That still blows my mind because I always thought mm-hmm. you guys had known each other for years. No, no I'd I say mean, known of, no, known each, of other. each other. Yeah, uh, you know, like like Ray said, we I sent a lot of editorial uh, editorial stuff in for sports and things like that. And that's kind of how we just got to kind of know each other a little bit, but but really not until we the last three four years here. And so good partnership. Mm-hmm. Best friends. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not like you two clowns. <laughs> well, at least not as goofy as me. Not as goofy. We're a little, oh. little more on the intelligence side, maybe. Oh. Oh, I'm just kidding. Rachel, I know about Rachel's, that. Rachel's worse. No, well, looky no, here. Nobody's arguing that Rachel's worse. I feel the need to point out that when Erin is around them, she's mean. So. Only she to you. Only to me. Sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I totally attacked you in the last episode. Oh my gosh. Filmed. Actually, you attacked me in a lot of episodes. And she did it again. Rachel does not film oh episodes. She records them. It's like the fifth time I've told her that. I'm sorry. It's she can't habit. Help it. That got all pretty for the occasion, too, thinking we were going to be on camera. So, you know. Well, for some people, yeah. it doesn't take much work, you know. <laughs> <sighs> and you're not one of them, correct? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Okay, so... Since you guys are directors, and Rachel's been a quote-unquote director. <laughs> are you really going to, <laughs> I'm just kidding. to me and my directing credit now? <laughs> uh, maybe, yes. Um, so, <laughs> oh uh, so I've, never, I've never done anything with directing. Mm-hmm. So m- one of my <laughs> questions are, what are some things you think that cast members don't always realize? Because I'm always on the other side of things. I'm not 
I've never really seen things from a director's perspective. Well, I think Rachel will agree, given her student experience, you don't realize how much is going on behind the scenes to make everything on stage happen. You, you know, I mean, you understand that there's lighting and there's music and whatever, but there is so much work months leading up to rehearsals even starting and then all the way through the show that if you're not involved in it, you may not even realize that it happens, but it, it takes a lot to get it to come together. Yeah, I think just piggybacking off that, you know, a lot of a lot of times, you know, a cast member may come and, and they're there for that two, two and a half hours and they go home and then it's just like kind of like clocking in and out at work. You know, you, you clock in or you, you go to school and you have your class and you go home and then you don't think about it. You know, um, as a director, you're constantly gears turning, trying to think of what's tomorrow, what's you know, two days from now going to look like, what's next week going to look like, you know, what all do we have to do to do sets and all this other stuff? Because there's a lot of working parts that go into making it happen. And, um, it's a lot of organization and a lot of, a lot of stuff happens even well before auditions even happen. And I think that's something that people don't really get, um, get to see a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, unless they've been in that experience and that makes a huge difference. I mean, prep prep work makes a lot of difference in what you're doing. So. Yeah, I think a lot of times as a cast member, you're worried about your songs, your lines, your blocking. As a director, you're worried about everybody's songs, everybody's lines, everybody's blocking, set, lighting, music, sound, backstage stuff, you know, green room stuff, props, anything that you could possibly programs, front of the house. Every all of those details have the to be dealt with that you're by ready somebody to do yeah. it. And I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of things, and all that all that weight ultimately is on your shoulder. I mean, you are the one that has to make sure that every moving piece is working correctly. And um, you know, there's a lot of times where you have to be that leader and make hard decisions on things, not mm-hmm. just um, you know as a relates directly to the show but you know you may have conflicts and stuff that you have to resolve you um you know you may have something that pops up like somebody quits or uh something like that where you have to then replace them or you know you get to an audition and you're needing nine guys and you have two show up you know something Mm -hmm. like that there's you never know what you're gonna have happen until it happens and then that's where you gotta just kind of be willing to adapt and go on the fly and make those changes occur. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot, and that's what people don't really see until you know they've done it. Mm-hmm. And like at the end of the day, everything goes back to you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, yeah. stress, for, stressful, it's a for lot better of or for worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's why you spend so much time thinking about it. Is because if you really care about it, you know that in the end, it's on you to make sure that it happens the way it's mm-hmm. supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And working with them through all this, I can, like, attest to the whole staying really late because, you know, everybody else would get to go home at 9 o'clock when practice was over, and then everybody who was directing would go out to eat to, like, discuss things. And, like, there were some nights I didn't get home till like, midnight, and it's, I guess, a 30-minute drive. So that's they leave at 9, and that's 
nine, ten, like two and a half hours later. I can't math, sorry. There's two, two and a half hours of discussing stuff before we leave. There's usually a post-rehearsal discussion about something. Yep. Yep. It's it's crazy. I mean, we spend a lot of hours, you know, and I think you, you have to do it. If you do it, you're going to do it because you love it. It's not be it's not because you want to take a paycheck home or anything right. like that. It's mm-hmm. you, you're doing it because you really have a love and a passion for it. And if you're not doing it for that, then you're probably doing it for the wrong reason. So, is that our, are we done? Is that our is that our time? Are we up? <laughs> <laughs> no. Did you, Jason? Just... I texted oh my gosh. Okay. Texting your mom when she texts her. I texted right. my mom, but we're on the computer, and my mom's text show up on the computer, so my text dinged okay. on the computer. Right. Okay. <laughs> so unprofessional. I thought you just texted yourself. No, I did not. Not a thing. Just, just so you know, what yourself, a we loser. are recording. <laughs> okay. Next question. <laughs> Moving on. Um, uh, biggest theater pet peeve. Ooh. Ooh. That's a tough one. There's so many things. Okay, your top five. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, guess, a guess for one of Jason's is noise in the wings. Yeah, I hate noise in the wings. Um, you know, it, it can ruin, it can ruin a show. So, you know, we always want to make sure that we're, you know, keeping people quiet backstage. And that's, it's hard. And that's, it's hard too, because even like when you go out there and like maybe you nailed a scene and you're like so excited because maybe it hasn't gone well and you're like you go back there and you and you you know you're like oh yes that went really well and you forget like you're like two foot from the stage and everything just filters out and it's just it's really annoying Mm -hmm. i'd say that one or to me um people not being prepared and not knowing lines and and uh still not knowing their lines when it comes time for the show yeah Uh, that's kind of annoying too but i mean i get it there's still times i have to you know as i get older have that script at least within shot of me as i go off stage to hey what's next you know i get senile brain i guess and um but but yeah i mean at least you know not being prepared that's kind of my biggest pet peeve I'd say yeah you stole mine there that's I was going to say not being prepared because one person not being prepared can throw a whole scene or a whole rehearsal Uh, because if you don't know what you're doing sometimes it can be real hard for especially if you have a bigger role can be real hard for everyone else to play off you if you are just lost and constantly not knowing what you're supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. so that's you know for as much work as directors have to do behind the scenes, just as important for performers to do that as well. You can't just show up to rehearsal and expect to have it. It takes a lot of work outside of rehearsal to make it happen. So I'd like to know what you guys, as, as young act, actresses, what's your what's your pet peeve? I'll throw it back at you guys. Rachel, can you guess mine? Uh, we talked about it the other day. Well, my brain's kind of mush right yeah, now. Yeah, okay. So I... This is probably not a very, oh, it might be, but I hate when people learn their lines oh, by paraphrasing. Yeah, it that drives me insane. on everyone else. That's, we had an episode where we talked for so much of it about no, not paraphrasing. Because mm-hmm. oh. how I am, I'm like, 
I want to do it as much to the script as I can. And so if they say the last word wrong, I just, like, stand up there like an idiot. I've done shows with people that if you say and instead of the, I mean, they they get completely lost mm-hmm. because they have, they're so into their script that it throws them off. I'll have, yeah, like, a mini so. panic, or panic attack yeah. in my head. I'm like yeah, that. So, right? well, you, there so. are certain people that you'll be on stage with who you will know that they could say anything at any time. They may go completely off, or they may just think of something and go with it. Um, or they may have a tendency to jump some lines, but... I did yeah, jump I, a line. <laughs> well, both of those are also two really big pet peeves, but my other one is people just not showing up because, you know, a lot of the time you depend on other people to be able to run a scene and run it the right way. And so when people don't show up and they have a bad reason for it, mm-hmm. then it's just really frustrating. Like, I've dealt with people who are like, oh, I'm not coming to practice tonight, and they don't have a legitimate reason. It's just they don't want to come, or they scheduled something small that they could have easily, like, mm-hmm. gotten against. So not especially with when their commitments. you're staying there and you're really dedicated, and then they're just getting away with it. I, I, I forgot about that one. That would probably be my newest pet peeve. That's kind of I've seen it. I've seen a trend happen the last several years where, and I, I think it's because, it, and it, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like it's just young folks, but um, it it's happens. Not. It's all ages. It happens with all ages. But I think what what's going on is people are so overcommitted to things. They they're they got so many things that they're doing it could be school it could be whatever and the commitment level used to be like okay i'm doing a show so i'm not going to do this i'm not going to do that i'm not going to do this and now it's like oh i'm going to do this but i'm also still going to take this and that and do this and and it's hard because when you try to get everybody together um you know and learn lines and rehearsals and there's five people missing it's very difficult then for those other people that are there to understand what's going on because there's always somebody different reading the part Mm -hmm. or whatever and when we did miracle on 34th street we never had any everybody there until opening night well kind of kind of of. i I wasn't there because i had a prior commitment but i was directing so jason directed it and he wasn't there opening night but that was the first time we had all the performers together at the same time (laughs) <laughs> but but to me, yeah. like, on that particular, particular note, in my defense, I, I feel as a director, once you've gotten to that stage, you turn that show over to your stage manager or your assistant director at that point. Your job has, your job is essentially done. You've done all the groundwork for yep. it. You know, it's it's time for the actors then to, to do what they've been directed to do. Jason know? has said multiple times through the shows I've been in with him, you know, okay, we're at a point now where my job's done, it's all up to you guys now. And, like, obviously he still gives notes, but at that point it's really up to the actors to make the show good. That's kind of another pet peeve for me is not reading notes or not listening to notes. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the director or director and assistants have spend a lot of time putting that stuff together and then you'll come back the next night and have the same problem not because it's needs to be a problem but because clearly the people who had the problem didn't bother to read the notes mm-hmm. like things that when you're at that stage when you're in dress rehearsals you're down to picking on little things but if you can fix 20 little things it really makes the show a lot better and when people don't pay attention to that stuff, it can be very frustrating. 
On missing practices though, one thing I would say is if you do have a prior commitment and you want to do a different show, talk to your director because I know I was not going to audition for Frozen because I was in another show at the exact same time. And I talked with Jason who directed that and he convinced me to audition and I still ended up as Anna and he worked with me. So like I missed a lot of practices because I had a different commitment, but they worked around it. So missing practices does have its place, but it has to be a good reason and you have to talk with your director. I think that's the big thing is being there when you're committed to be there. Yeah. With community theater, everybody understands that other peop- you have other commitments. You're not going to probably be able to be there every single day. But on the days when you are supposed to be there, you need to be there and you need to be fully engaged in what you're doing. Well, we had that with another auditioner uh, recently, you know, that ended up getting a lead, you know, and he, he didn't think that he'd be able to do uh, do the show because of so many conflicts. And, and you know, that's really up for a director to decide. Right. If a director is willing to work with those conflicts and commitments, then... You know, let that be up to them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's, you always just try to give it a try and, and just talk to your director and say, you know, this is what I got going on. I understand if you can't use me because of there are too many conflicts. Some people are very strict and they want everybody to be there all the time. Some people are, are very flexible and you just don't know what the situation is going to be. Every show can be a little different for Frozen. It was nice because we had two sets of Anna and Elsa's so if one couldn't be there another one could jump right in and you know there's there's sometimes you have flexibility as a director and and sometimes you don't but let that be the director's choice you know and and just give it a try you, you might find that it works out yeah the key is just being upfront about your conflicts about to say that be honest yes. communication right. <laughs> that's the main thing okay next one what are some things you look for in an audition? Well, it always stands out who has prepared and who has not. Yeah. You can always tell if somebody is walking in and deciding, perhaps in the green room, perhaps as they walk on stage, what song they're about to sing. Um, so my recommendation is always most places have at least some information posted about what they want to see. You should spend some time preparing so that you're at least ready when you go up there to audition because it does stand out when you're unprepared. Absolutely. Yeah, you can tell. And the other thing is, too, um, you can. I think sometimes it's easy to pick out people that have gone in and you can tell if they really want to be there or not be there and so I would say before you audition for a show make sure that you are going to definitely want to do the show and that you definitely want to do whatever it is you want to do for that show Um, because it's very easy to tell if if I go in and I see somebody that is has put down you know x part and they don't they think they're they've already got it in the bag, you know, because, and they don't give it a try and they just kind of have to do it, then they probably are not going to get the part. Even if they may be the best person because that's probably the effort they're going to give me when they rehearse as well. So my thing is, like, I look to see those that are really wanting to do the show. That's make That makes it really important to me because I want people that want to be there. Another important thing to consider for auditioning is 
picking a song that works for you. There are way too many, especially at the community theater level, who show up and say, I'm going to sing Adele. Well, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> it's A, it's not musical theater, and B, you're probably not as good as Adele is. <laughs> so when you try to do Adele, it just doesn't come off I'm right. I'm sing Garth Brooks. Yeah, yeah. You want to pick idea. a musical theater song that shows off your vocal skills, whatever they may be. Your range, your your tone, you know, you want to show off the best of what you can do. Exactly right. And the other part with that, too, is on song selection is, um, you know, like with our auditions, we keep them very short. We, we give you like 30, 40 seconds, you know, give us what you got. So you should also select the, the part of the song that you think features your voice the best. So once you've got the song that features you, then pick out the best section that, hey, if I've got a limited amount of time, this is the part I really want them to hear because this is where I rock it out. You know, That way we see your best stuff. At, and, and that's always the part that I think people miss. They start off in the beginning. Well, if you don't get to the crescendo of the song, then we yeah. might miss that you really can can rock that out full voice, you know, and we might miss something. I mean, yeah. we we could we could have really have lost some some folks in the weeds if if we would have not right. have heard people do their best stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing for us is the way we run auditions. Typically, is we'll have audition nights and then a callback. So at callbacks, we're looking at a lot of things. We're looking at maybe your chemistry with somebody else who might be playing your opposite role. Um, we're looking for how you how you handle different things. So we may throw at you a role that you said you're not interested in. Be flexible. You need to be, <laughs> yes, you need to be flexible, and you need to do your best no matter what is thrown at you. I have seen people purposely, in my mind, tank the way they've read certain roles because they didn't want them. They wanted this other thing. So they did their best on that one and then just kind of halfway the other ones. A, we can tell. And B, that's not helping your cause because if you don't get that role that you wanted, there might be a great second role that you haven't even thought about. And if you are not doing your best on those, the director might just pass you over and you end up with nothing or something that you is not as good as you could have gotten. We've had a lot of situations where people have come in wanting one thing and then realized that really they were best suited for this other role. And they just didn't open their eyes to see it the way we did. Um, but once they, they did it, then they realized, man, that, that really was right in my wheelhouse. You know, that, that was perfect. That's happened for me before. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've had roles that I thought I would, wanted to do, but then got something maybe a little different that I wasn't planning on, but maybe had more fun or really enjoyed enjoyed it more than what I would have done if I'd have been the other part. So you just got to keep your mind open for those kind of things. Well, if you've got a good director, they will have their mind open as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we've both had this experience with each other. I have directed a show where Jason auditioned for something and was cast for something else. And I've been in the same position. I auditioned for Jason where I wanted this specific role and was cast for something else. And I think in both cases, absolutely the right call. As a director, you have to be open 
as well to what to looking at things that maybe even the actors haven't thought about that maybe you hadn't thought about going in um, even after the first audition night you might you might just throw somebody hey read this and realize oh I did not expect that and it just really works out mm-hmm. and Aaron and I I don't think have touched this part yet but if you are auditioning for a show and you know you only want one character and you're not going to accept anything else make sure you make that clear because there's a lot of people who say that they will accept anything yeah and then they because they think that it's going to like lessen their chances of getting that role but like that's not the case at all that happens all the time so be honest like be honest yeah you want to answer that question honestly if you will honestly accept anything that's given to you say that if you really will only do this one role Say that. And I, and I don't know if it happens because people are afraid they're going to hurt somebody's feelings. And, you know, that's okay. If, you, if you're if you traveling for, for a 30, 40-mile mi- um, trip to get there to audition for something and you only want the lead and, you know, driving there for a minor character is not going to be worth your time, then just let us know that. That's mm-hmm. okay. I mean, you know, I get it. You know, I wouldn't w- maybe want to do that either. But... Um, Boy, we have it happen all the time. I mean, it seems like every show we have, we have at least that one person that's like, yeah, I, I just I just don't think I want to accept that role. And then we've we've wasted that kind of time, you know, working on casting and where we could have maybe spent it somewhere else doing something else creative. And and that's the that's the kind of the disappointing thing as a director that you run into sometimes. But just being open and honest is is always a better policy. And you know, it, it's it's okay to not want to do a you know only one thing that's that's okay it is okay the flip side of that is i'd encourage people to think about being more open because jason said a lot of times it might be that role that you didn't even think about that ends up being one of your favorite and you may have a really great experience that you would have never expected Mm -hmm. and i think the best directors are more understanding of that too like you said, if you lived like 30, 40 minutes away and you would only accept a role that was the lead, if you're a good director, you would understand. You would be open to that. Absolutely. So, anyways. So, when you are having auditions, I'm assuming that's what you wrote. Okay. What makes people stand out? Well, I, well, I, I kind of alluded a little bit to this earlier, but, you know, your attitude, um, if you go in with a bad attitude, that's going to stand out in your, your audition. Um, I try to, I try to cast people, even, I may take somebody that's even, um, not as good maybe as the next person, but if that person I know is, um, coming with a bad attitude or maybe, they are difficult to work with, then I may say, I'm going to give this person a chance just because this person, you know, is acting the way they are or acts mm-hmm. the way they are or um, isn't flexible or whatever those things might be. So, you know, I, I think the thing to say is, you know, if you're, if you're one of those people that you're, you're, wondering why you don't get cast for something, you know, maybe take a look at what everything that you've done for that audition and, and say, okay, did I do this? Maybe did I come across this way and try to just be more open um, and, and just 
you know, go with whatever it is you get. And, and then may, that helps you down the road because I, I don't forget things. So even mm-hmm. things as simple as a strike, you know, anybody that's done theater long enough knows what strike is. It's not the most favorite part of a show. It's actually everybody's least favorite because they, they're like, okay, they're sad that they're getting rid of everything and they're putting everything away and tearing it apart. But it's like, okay, I'm ready to get out and now go eat supper or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is you do after a show. Um, and um, I think of people that have bailed on me at strike and I try to put that in my little memory bank of what I have left. <laughs> and I try to, to go, okay, you know, this person, they didn't help. They didn't help do this. They didn't help do that. And, you know, if it comes down to them and another person, I may consider the other person because of of that. Because I think you need to do everything with theater. And it's all mm-hmm. one cast, one body of work, mm-hmm. beginning to end. Well, something that I've kind of picked up on directors is there's always someone who's whoever's watching the auditions there's always someone who can read people really well so even if you try to put on a fake little act they can tell what kind of person you are so i mean i don't know if that's true for every show but i think some people are harder to read than others but that's when you have a good team if you have a good team that you're working with then sometimes uh when one person doesn't see it maybe another person will and can talk sense into that other person like hey yeah. We we had to do that during. That's usually why you have three or four people. In my mind, you have three or four people watching auditions Mm -hmm. and callbacks because then you sit down and say, okay, what did you see? Because maybe Jason saw something different than I did. Or maybe Rachel saw something different that both of us didn't see. A great example, and it doesn't really have anything to do about attitude, is casting The Little Mermaid. I'll let you go ahead and keep going. Uh, I wasn't actually a part of that casting, but um, Jason had kind of headed in one direction, and his wife Jennifer, who is our costume queen, uh, kind of just said, I think you should really think about this girl for Ariel. And I, I don't know what your reaction yeah, well, was. Well, I, I just, you know, I, and um, we had we had several several girls that were very um, very good and in contention and and um, I, I had to think I was like I was like now which one are you talking about <laughs> and um, you know I was like okay yeah I kind of I kind of know who you're talking about and um, I was like well okay well if you're if you're adamant we'll we'll listen again you know and but when we brought her back for callbacks I was like wow how did I miss that the first time how did I miss that. Um, and you know, the, what ifs, if I did not have a good staff with me that could open up and, and then the director be open to those changes and those other thoughts from other people then we may have missed out not only on her for that show, but all the rest of the shows that, that she's done since, you Mm -hmm. know, and you know, what a great talent. And we, you have to be flexible and you need to be able to to be a good listener to sometimes. And that was, my wife will tell you, I'm not a great listener to her most <laughs> of the time. But I'm glad that I did that time because it was spot on and, and I might have missed that the first time and I'm not going to make that mistake again with, with her for sure. But hopefully I don't miss that with others either. But I got goosebumps because <laughs> I know the girl and I just, yeah, she's yeah. so talented. This girl's incredible. Well, that's, yeah. that's why as a staff member, and I know this is something I shared with Rachel when 
Jason directed Newsies, I assistant directed, and Rachel was a student director, is as a staff member, you have to be willing to say what you think, whether the director agrees with you or not. If you just agree with the director on everything they say, what good are you? Right. You know, you, you need to be willing to disagree and put it out there. And then it's ultimately the director's decision whether they agree with you or not. I've been in both positions where staff has convinced me of something or I just disagreed with them and went with what I thought to start with. But at least in both cases, I'd heard their opinion. And that can lead to some really good things. That's why you want to have people around you who you trust and who will speak up and tell you something. And listen, you're going to make mistakes as a director. That's the one thing you got to get just get over right away. I mean, there's been shows where I could, I've looked back on them and gone, man, I screwed up when I casted that particular role, you know, and um, I should have, I should have just went with my gut. I tried to go with, you know, whatever I was thinking at the time. And, you know, um, it, those things happen and you're, you're not going to be perfect when you cast. You're not going to be perfect as a director, period. And you just have to be able to just, um, get over that right away and just know that the next time you'll try to make a better decision. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to roll back to your original question, which was what makes people stand out. I think confidence is important. You can tell, and that comes with preparation that we talked about before. You can tell the people who believe in what they're doing, who have worked at it, who are ready. And to me, like attitude slash flexibility is another one because especially during the callback process, but even sometimes during auditions, you might be asked to do something that you didn't expect to do. Like, for instance, if somebody comes in and sings Adele, and you think, oh, God, this person might have something, but that was totally the wrong song, you might get asked to sing something else. Mm-hmm. Or you might get asked, I did this during Frozen, even though I wasn't really part of the directing team for that. Some I remember somebody singing, and I stopped them and said, you try that again and just do this 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 because i think you're like right there close to being really good but you just need these few little things so if if you can show that you're willing to take direction and be flexible that means a lot yep that's really true i actually i did an audition when i was at college for pippin Mm -hmm. and i sang my song from newsies and well, I was obviously really nervous for it, but when I was done, he told me a few things to change, and honestly, that gave me more, like, faith, because if he was willing to give me criticism, then he still believed that I could do even better, so I wouldn't take it as something bad. Normally, it means that they believe in you, so. Mm-hmm. If they just say, oh, good job, you did a great job, moving on, that probably means that it's it's very mm-hmm. unlikely that you were actually perfect. So that probably means they just don't think that you're going to be yeah. able to take the criticism. And you're, I mean, you're never going to be perfect. So, so take criticism as a compliment. Yes. Yeah, usually if you're getting a note like that, it means they, they think you're capable of something more. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they're going to watch and see how you react to their criticism. Absolutely. Yeah, they're going to look at attitude for that as well. Like if you start like fussing around like, oh, what I did was good enough, then they're going to take notice mm-hmm. of that and that's going to affect their decisions. Yeah, because that happens if you do it during the uh, audition. You're probably going to do it during the rehearsal. Well, yeah, there's, there's no <laughs> doubt too that a lot of it comes down to talent. Obviously, if you if you're an excellent singer, if you're an excellent dancer, you know if if you can really act, all those things matter. But preparation and flexibility, 
matter just as much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the point is, it's not just your abilities vocally and acting-wise. It's a lot of other stuff tied into it as well. Yeah, it's more you just, you can't assume that your talent, just have by having so much talent, is always going to override all that other stuff. I think it's a, kind of a balance. Well, especially in, in cases where you're going to be looking at several talented people, a lot of talented people for the same role. And it may be those little things that you're like, okay, I think these three people could all do it. But that one right there seemed to have that little bit extra or to be really accepting of direction. And I think I can really get that one where they need to be. So the deciding factor pretty much. Yeah, it could, mm-hmm. could, you know, it could, could be a tiebreaker. Okay, next question. What was what was your favorite show to direct, and what was your favorite memory from it? Well, since Jason's directed, like, everything, I'll let him have a moment to think about it. And I, of the two that I've directed, uh, I think you know, Sh- Shrek was the favorite for me. I, it was because I was in it, right? No, it was mm. not. It, it overcame that hurdle to still be my favorite show. Uh I'm not sure what really the favorite thing about the show was. I think for me, probably as a director, it's just while you guys are on stage performing, getting to sit back and watch what has become of the last three to six months of preparation. And it's really gratifying when that moment comes up where you get that laugh that you thought you were going to get or that song that you worked on so hard hits. I assistant directed Newsies, but I was always really excited for, for watch what happens because it was just like nailed it. And that was really cool. (laughs) We need to stop talking about that because I talked about that in another episode. Aaron's head is going to get too big. (laughs) Oh, for me to to round (laughs) it out, I was, I was in the cast for that show as well, and I was one of the few who was standing there in the wings watching her every night because I went out and grabbed her desk and took it off stage afterwards. So I was always right there, and that was just a really cool moment. But it's those things that you've worked on for so long, and to see them come together just the way you imagined, or sometimes to be surprised by the reactions, it's just really neat. Yeah. Oh, my favorite show to direct... Well, I I love Newsies. Um, it was it was a lot of fun, um, and I mean, a director's dream to have that much talent all assembled in one place mm-hmm. in a community a community theater in Portland, Indiana. I mean, it was amazing. Um, but I I have to say that actually probably the show that was my all time favorite was probably Mermaid because I was at a point where I thought that was going to be my last show to direct and um and I, I and a lot of reasons but you know um I felt like people were just weren't really into it anymore and you know I was just kind of done with with that part of sometimes what happens with theater you know, if it can get stagnant in a certain place it just needs to have new life breathed into it or um and that's what happened um during that show we had a new batch of kids that that just wanted to be there and have fun and man it just it completely changed my outlook on 
the future of Civic. And really that show was a turning point for Civic, um, I think, to what's going to be the future of Civic, you know. Um, so, so for me, that was my favorite show. And I think it was just because of the passion that I saw in a whole new group of kids. And to me, like directing kids is my favorite part because they're the future. If you can't, if you cannot get kids to be involved and want to come back and want to come back and just ask you right away, hey, when's the next auditions? When's the next show? What's what are you guys doing? You know, I get that all the time. That's when you know you've done something right. And so that's my favorite memory is to be able to to have a new batch of kids every time we try to get new kids, new kids, new kids and branch out further communities to get them to come and play and have a good time. And it's really neat if you direct long enough and you spend enough time to see some, especially young people, grow Hmm. from where they were maybe as, you know, 11 or 12-year-olds to developing their acting skills and their singing skills and their comfort on stage. It's just really cool to see how they progress over time. Yeah. Oh, that's I know, so sweet. I was like, that's so cute. They're both being sentimental. <laughs> I don't know if my favorite part would be uh, directing the kids. <laughs> I don't think mine See, would be either. Weirdly, like, not weirdly. Weirdly for me, I like the chaos of a big show. I liked directing a giant show that was insane mm-hmm. more than directing a smaller show that had, you know, 10 or 15 people in the cast. And for Jason, he won't say this about himself, but Jason handles kids as well as anybody I've ever seen. And it's strange because if you would see a picture of Jason, I think Rachel will attest she was scared of Jason Uh, at first. Jason's a big guy Uh, with a big beard. (laughs) But he's very gentle-hearted and really handles kids very, very well. Well, thank you for those kind comments. I want to mark this down in history that you... (laughs) It is, um, it is true, though. I was terrified of Jason, and he's one of the nicest people I've ever met, even though oh. he makes fun of me constantly. He is a really, really good guy. <laughs> so is Ray. I was also scared of Ray. I was scared of both of them. And now, <laughs> and now here we are, years I, later. I almost feel bad for calling you Slacker for so many years now, so... Don't. Not gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to call her Slacker, but... Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I don't know what it is about kids. I think it's just because... I really, really mermaid, it really did change a lot of things for me. Like, it, it is true, though. I mean, I, I feel like kids are our future. And if you if you don't have young people doing theater, eventually, that's what's going to happen to your program. Your program's going to die out. And I don't care how strong your adults are. Adults are going to move on and do other things. They're going to, you know, have kids of their own. They're going to find other things to occupy their time, their kids' activities or whatever. I see it all the time. They pull adults away from you know, from your company, kids of the future, and you got to get them involved early and often as possible. So we talk about this a lot when we have our board meetings. Look, it's been a little bit since we've had a kids show. We need to do a kids show. We need to make it a priority that a kids show mm-hmm. is involved in at least, you know, maybe one performance a year just to keep them Hey, we're, we're doing something. Come in, come back, come back mm-hmm. next year, come back next year, come back next year. And eventually then they, you know, you, you got them hooked. But if you just do one and then you wait two years, you've lost a whole group of, of kids that you've 
yeah. you know, gathered. So I think it's the kid energy that you get. Yeah. Like, yeah. It may drive you nuts sometimes because your green room is going to be loud mm-hmm. always. Absolutely. But I can think of, I'm currently thinking of a young Elsa from Frozen Junior and just the grin all the time. And like, and young Anna as well, both of them really. But like, you get that kid energy that's just always there, and you can't help but be kind of swept away by it. And it kind of picks you up. Yeah. Not to mention, they sell a lot of tickets. They do yeah. sell a lot of tickets. They sell a lot of tickets. Yeah. <laughs> but, but beyond that, though, really, it, it, their energy is infectious and it, and it gets the crowd going. And, Man, it, it just makes for a better show. It really does. I'm going to be sentimental again for a hot second. So as you guys know, I'm going into musical theater, and I would like to point out that if it wasn't for these two being super supportive, I definitely would not be doing that because first show was Shrek, which Ray directed, and Jason played Farquaad. And uh, I'd been in a bunch of shows where I was like not getting casted. I was just in chorus, never any speaking role, so like I didn't really have much faith in myself at all. And I came to Jay County and, you know, I got Gingy, which was the first big role I got. So, you know, that made me feel a lot better about myself because I was a freshman. And so, like, Ray casting me did a lot. And then, you know, Jason was super supportive of me and helping me figure out what I was doing. So I owe it to these two for being good with, I guess I wasn't necessarily a kid, but I was a freshman. So I owe it to these two for being good. And now here I am, my senior year, getting ready for musical theater auditions. Well, and this is, Jason mentioned, one of the reasons he enjoys theater is meeting new people. So less than four years ago, Jason and I didn't really know each other. It's even more recent that we met Rachel, and even more recent than that that we met Aaron. And you just, you keep adding to what becomes your theater family and people who, I think if you're doing it right, like you're going to see them in shows at other places or other things that they're doing at other places. And it just continues to build and build and you add new people to this thing that you do that you love so much. Yep. And they're just a good support. <laughs> Theater's a good support group. It really and, is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ever since I've been in Newsies, I've gone to, I went to uh, Mamma Mia and Frozen because there was people that were in Newsies with me who... Are like my friends now, and I had to go see them. And, Aww, and I was always friends. No, well, it wasn't you, you, but like <laughs> a lot of the other people. <laughs> wow. I swear, after everyone, we like make fun of you. And this is the last podcast you will <laughs> ever do. <laughs> we also said that like one of the other episodes. <laughs> We've also said that one of us is taking over and kicking the other one. <laughs> so a good example of that is so we worked with Rachel and. Shrek, and while we were doing that, we first saw Aaron when they were doing Oklahoma together, and she played Ado Annie, so we kind of got, we came to see Rachel in that show, but we saw Aaron, and we saw the other Aaron, and we saw Brandon, and we saw several other people who then ended up being, you know, part of our theater family down the road. I dragged so many people with me to Portland, I was like, hey, you You like theater, you're coming with me to audition, and they're like, what? And but, they kept coming back, so... But also, like, the passion that you kids have here is... I mean, you can just see it. it. It's different. You know, it's different. 
some then sometimes when you see kids doing theater, you know, it's like they're here because maybe their mom made them try it or whatever, you know. And I I think they really I think kids get it when they when they have a really good experience mm-hmm. like Newsies um, or or Mermaid or some of those other shows. You know, they it just change it just changes them, and you can tell when a kid is really hooked. You really oh, can. Yeah. Um, and that just, man, it just drives the whole program. Mm-hmm. It really does. We always joked during Newsies, <laughs> I, I dragged so many people that kept dragging more people. So during Newsies, most of the lead characters were from Ohio, not Indiana, where, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> where the theater They put that in the newspaper. They're like, the two leads aren't even from Indiana. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> well, I think that's that's one of the things that we've actually been proud of in recent years is drawing from a bigger circle. We want certainly to have opportunities for people in Jay County. That's really important. But to expand our circle beyond that has been great, not only for the actors, but for our audience as well. You know, all of a sudden we've got people who maybe came to watch Aaron in one show and they're like, oh, that's good. Maybe I'll come to the next one. Mm-hmm. And so that's really productive to grow your cast and your membership, but also your audience. So I'm, I'm really, and if you do it right, hopefully you get someone like Rachel who invites other people or we've had you know other actors from all over the place who have brought other people with them then down the road. Okay, so what is your director's dream project. So if you could direct any musical, like what is like the top of your list? Dear Evan Hansen probably would be now, I guess, the next one. I, I just, I love the, the message that it brings. I think it's an important message, a very relevant one uh, in this day and age. So mm-hmm. I would say that would be the next one, but I, it's enjoying a nice run on Broadway when Broadway's mm-hmm. not canceled by COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it might be, I might be, you know, 80 years old by the time it's ever released, but um, yeah, I would say that's probably my dream. So you're saying you'll still be directing when you're 80 years old? <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I'm just thinking, good luck finding someone to play uh, Evan. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, those vocals. Can't yeah. even. <laughs> yeah. That's always something you have to think about. <laughs> that's why it's called a, it's a, a dream project. Yeah, yeah that's true. That the point, Aaron. I know, but I'm just saying. Dear Evan Hansen's a great one. My personal favorite show is Les Mis, and that's another one that you better have the big guns if you're going to even That's try true. to do that show because mm-hmm. it is really challenging. And, you you know, if you want to take on it, if you're going to take on a dream project like that, you want to make sure you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of my dream shows to be in. Me as well. Oh, my gosh. That was the show awesome. that really got me into theater. When I first saw yeah. it, I watched it every day for, like, a month straight, and that's no <laughs> joke. <laughs> Mom was so tired of it. She was like, oh, my gosh, are you really watching this again? <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I really, I really didn't get to know that until like the last maybe two years. Um, no, they miss. Yeah, really, I, that surprises what? me. I, I, you know, I listened to some of the music and stuff, and it was fine. I just, it wasn't, it wasn't my thing. Uh, you know, I guess, but I'm, it's growing on me. It's growing on me. You know, listen to it more. It's kind of like Hamilton. It's kind of new age stuff, but. Uh, are it's you like? On me. Are you like better about Hamilton now? Stuff. I haven't not watched the Disney plus uh, Hamilton version yet. Ray and I were, Ray and I and were so mad at you when we not mad. We were just like, 
what the heck? What when is we Jason? It. Why doesn't he understand what's going yeah, on? Well, I mean, <laughs> there were some other people too. They were like, "What is happening?" We like, mm-hmm. during when Corona first started, we had a group that would go online and watch shows together every night. And Ray and I picked Hamilton one night, but like half of the people who were there didn't know the story at all. And so like I was explaining what was happening <laughs> on the bottom of the screen. Like, it would change. I'd be like, okay, now this is what's happening now. And I'd be like, oh, thanks, Rachel. And then Ray was like, I just can't believe they don't know the show. Well, with Hamilton, is, and a lot of shows are like this, it really helps if you go in with some knowledge, yeah. if you listen to the soundtrack. Because if you don't, sometimes, you know, the music goes so fast that you, you're not picking it up. And you don't and know who's don't, talking. And you don't, if you don't know the story, I know that was, so when I was... I don't know, probably 13 or so, um, my parents took my sister and I to see Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. And I knew the story. She didn't. So she hated it. <laughs> because she couldn't tell what was going on. So you really need to, for a lot of shows, you need to have some background. Otherwise, it's not going to mean anything to you. Yeah. My favorite part of that night, though, was Reed, who you guys will meet later. He's the music director for Jay County, and he'll also be coming on an episode, but just later. Um, we, we were watching Hamilton, and it was after the first song, and he gets on and he types, okay, so who's Hamilton again? Oh my <laughs> god. We, we were all like, uh, the guy who just said, my name is Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. Well, leave Reed alone. He's easily confused. <laughs> we were all like, are you serious? Like, literally just said, Alexander Hamilton. I remember, because I was like, I know the show is confusing, (laughs) but. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. That was great. Okay, moving Um, on. Any advice for first-time directors? Turn around and run. No. (laughs) (laughs) Prepare. Prepare, prepare. Preferably, if you're going to direct for the first time, have worked under somebody else and pay attention. Um, You know, for me... I, the third show I was involved in was my first show directing. So I'd been involved in Little Mermaid and Miracle on 34th Street, and then I directed Shrek. I took most of what I did in terms of scheduling and planning directly from what Jason had done and from what I, I learned from him. And, and I used that as my basis. Okay, when do we need off book? When do we need to make sure this is done? When do we make sure this is done? So having that experience of having worked under him really helped me. But the biggest thing is being prepared. If you show up on audition day and you haven't done anything, you're going to have a problem. You have probably two or three months of preparation before that if you're doing it right. You want to plan your auditions. You want to meet with your staff. You want to get started working on your set if you have the ability to do that. You should certainly have it designed already so that you know what you want it to look like. There's just so much that you have to get ready before you even get to worrying about auditions and rehearsals. So I think it's that behind-the-scenes stuff and being prepared. Because if you're not, you're going to end up two weeks in and you're going to be underwater and trying to just not drown the rest of the way. I think uh, all those things are very true. I mean, we must have worked together pretty well because that's about that's about everything except for I would say just really stress you should have a very strong staff that is with you to um, that you trust that you know um, is committed as much as you are 
And if you have a very good staff with you, they can help you. Uh, and you gotta you gotta be able to let them do stuff, you know, and be able to delegate. But but let let that let that strong uh, crew of people help you run this show. And it's very important to get get the, that done early and get them all cemented in because um, sometimes it can be challenging finding a choreographer or a music director um, or even like a stage manager or something like that. You know, those, those things are hard sometimes to get. Um, and it's good to have a really strong staff. If really strong staff will be a really strong show and a lot better experience for you as a first-time director. That's very true. I would not have even applied to direct Shrek if I didn't have the staff behind me. That was the first thing I did was go and ask people, if I do this, will you be in this role on the staff? And if they had said no, I wouldn't have been there. But if you have a good staff, you can do things like send people off to work on music with the music director and not feel like you have to be there watching over the shoulder. You can go and work on something else. You, so you can be on stage while they're working on a song, and it really frees you up as a director to handle more things and to deal with other things if you know that your musical director or your assistant director or your choreographer can just handle it. Um, and Okay, so our last question is, what do you want to change about theater today? Ooh. Ah, That's a deep question, Aaron. For, like, today, today, I'd like to be able to do something. (laughs) Like, if we could get rid of coronavirus and actually be able to do something, that'd be great. Boy, that's a really tough question. That is. I mean... I think one thing for me is I'd like to see performers be as open-minded as they can be. Because, in our case... If we're doing Shrek or Frozen or The Little Mermaid, you have no problem getting 90 people to audition. But if you're doing something that's maybe not so well known, you might have to beg people to come. And I think as performers, we talked about this in terms of roles before, but even with shows, if you take a, even if you don't know the show, you might take a chance on it and it might become an experience that you never would have imagined. And that should be the same with audience members too. So like, you know, we, we've tried to have a philosophy the last few years where, you know, if you build it, they will come. Okay. So like, you know, if if we do mermaid and do some of these other shows that they know, and they've come to those shows and they're like, man, I saw little mermaid. I saw newsies. I saw Shrek. Those were great shows. I don't know parlor games, but, you know, I'll go give it a try because I like the other things that I saw. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people that come to that show, they, they really liked it, you know. And sometimes you just have to, like, branch out as a, a community and just support the arts. Because, yeah, you may want to go see Shrek and you may not want to go see a show like, uh, that's a book show, like a, like a parlor games. But if we don't do some of that stuff, then we don't grow either. And we may not be able to then do shows like Shrek and some of those others. So we, we, we need your support in all facets of theater. And I think the thing I would want to change is I, I, what we have been doing uh, here recently. And that's kind of like kind of swing towards what's more current and relevant. So we've been adding a lot of different features in our shows the last couple uh, mm-hmm. performances we've had. We've 
added a backdrop and we've added uh, you know scene changes using um, you know projections and stuff like that which is different it's new it's a uh, exciting now I don't want us to all do that all the time because that would be you know kind of the the same mm-hmm. uh, I like to see variety and I still like your good old unit sets that you do a play and it's one big house when you walk in on the theater or something but it's nice to see a little bit of technology come into play and I'm excited to see what kind of things will develop as we go about you know the next several years it's really cool for frozen we really did not have sets am i thinking of that right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it was all like there was a projector in the back that had like the scenes and all that and it would just change so it was really cool so like we put on you know all of frozen but we had like no sets so yeah. it was and it, it was, moved very quickly right. it was really cool just a handful of props like a door you brought out a door so anna could knock a stool for like Brandon to sit on. I don't think people noticed it. That's, that's I'll totally say, I didn't weird. really think about and it until now. Thing. It's so cool because everybody's so used to going to theater and seeing all these sets, and then it's not there, but nobody really realized because it was just so good still. And I think the other thing I was, going back to the question before that I just thought of, um, that's the other thing when you're a director you want to do is to try to keep things moving in a, in a quicker pace. Um, the worst thing that I can see when I go to a show is five minutes scene change in between, uh, you know, this scene to that scene. And it just can really kill your show. If you have a five minute scene change in the dark kills the mood. It's frustrating for the actors as well. Mm -hmm. Aaron and I both been a part of a show where it takes forever to do the scene change. But, and I think that all comes down to planning. Yeah. Cause again, that's kind of, the director's you job as well. To, you always want to try to be, I guess, a step ahead. You're never going to be, but and I some guess things that are sh- hard. You gotta. I mean, some things you just can't change mm-hmm. you know, real quickly, and and it depends on the show. But you know, as quickly as you can make things move and go on to the next thing, your audience won't become bored or complacent or start looking at their watch or that you just have them. You don't want to lose their attention. You want to keep it flowing. So mm-hmm. back to the question about things you'd like to change, not necessarily so much about theater but Jason mentioned before you know people do theater and then maybe they get away from it because they have kids or because it's too much time or they have other things to do for me it's been really neat couple things one I started doing theater stuff at 40 so it's never too late to try to step in and try something new but it's also been really neat over the last couple of years to see some people who had kind of been away for a while come back to the stage and be involved again and to see that kind of spark come back in them because you know that the cool thing about theater and the arts is that it's not something you ever have to stop like you can continue age doesn't stop you there's going to be a role in a show that's going to work for you um, and it doesn't matter if you've been away for two years or three years or five or ten there's room for you to come back and be involved again. So it's neat to see the young people get involved, but there's a couple people I have in my head who maybe hadn't been in a show for a while, and then the right one popped up, and they came back, and it was really neat to see them involved again. You guys had so many good things to say. Yes. Do you have anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to share? I don't think so. Nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. It's, 
you know, it takes a lot of hard work as a director or a performer, and you just really have to put the time in to make it get to where it needs to be. It's it's a lot of hard work, but there's a reward to it, and Absolutely. that's that's what I think you have to keep in mind. You know, even when you, you struggle through a show, there's always a reward at the end, and that reward can show itself in a lot of different ways, and you have to be open to to the fact that it could show itself in you know in those different ways. I mean, I've done a lot of shows where I've been more rewarded by seeing. Um, you know, kids come alive in the show, or maybe it's, you know, a certain actor or actress that has struggled. There was a, there was a time when, um, we had, we had two girls that, that had competed with each other, multiple shows, multiple shows when I first started directing. And I felt really bad because the one girl just always had the edge over the other. And, they were still young. They were they were very young girls, and she kept getting all part over the other girl. And I kept encouraging the second girl, please don't give up, because one day there's going to be a show that comes up, and it's going to be perfect for you, and that's going to be your part, and you're going to own it, and you're going to be fantastic. And and that happened to this girl. She and I didn't direct the show. I was I wasn't even in it. I went to go see it. Um, but man, she rocked it out and she was so amazing. And, you know, that was rewarding because I may not have had a big part in it. I may have just had a small part in it, but but the reward was that she stuck with that and I know she stuck with it. So it made me feel good that she did and she was able to to nail something like that later on, you know. So be open to those different rewards because it is a rewarding experience as a director or just being in theater in general. Um, to to do theater. It's just amazing. I I love kind of how surprising, not, I don't want to say surprising, but, you know, you, you said you always get a reward with every show, and you may think the reward is going to be this, but instead it might be this person who never really had much confidence in themselves, you know, when they actually performed for the, the performances, they, like, they grew so much. It's like the little things that like that that, you thought maybe wouldn't happen, and they did. I don't know. I think that's why I like theater the most. But. The last several shows we've had, you know, we've had a lot of these kids that at the end they're like, you know, we go to go to eat at the, the the local restaurant, and afterwards they're they're in tears because they realize that 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 unit is not going to ever be together again. It may be together in, in parts here down the line, you know, but that same group is not going to be together again, not, not 100%. And that's rewarding, too, because you know you've done a good job. If they're in tears crying because that's over, then you've done a good job. You know, you brought people together. Well, what, what Aaron talked about made me think of something else that you should talk about, Jason. She talked about that it's not maybe always the biggest thing that you that you think might be the big reward. It's the little things that you think might not have happened. You often talk about how important chorus roles are and how much you watch those people during shows. Yeah, I mean, I do. Because um, they... Ultimately, they can make and break a show. Um, That's what I you always know, say. I, I... Man, there's been a lot of times where I've been to a show and the chorus was just horrendous and I hated every minute of it. 
And then there's been times where I've just went and I can't keep my eyes off of certain people because they just make you gravitate towards them. I, I remember going to, when we right before we did Newsies, we went to Salina to watch uh, Newsies up there and they had a few kids I just kept watching and they weren't the leads at the time. They were, they were, every time the big groups would come out, I went to the same kids because they just were so into it and it made me get into it. And then I, by the time I left, man, I was pumped. I was jacked up. I was like, let's go do this thing, you know? And that's, that's important. So don't ever think that because I'm standing in the back row that nobody's going to see me. So it doesn't really matter. It matters. Yeah. Somebody is it always will. watching you. Somebody on stage oh. is always uh, being watched at one at you know at one time. There's there's always going to be somebody watching you. Eyes are always on you. So it's very very important um, that you just do the role you're given and mm-hmm. do it full on because you're going to look silly if you don't, and then it drags the show down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, that's another pet peeve, right? So. That's one I, because I, I remember when I watched Hamilton for the first time. I mean, it was amazing, but I just loved the ensemble more than everyone because, first of all, they're on stage a lot, but they're always moving and they're always and they were always alive the whole time. I think sometimes people forget that. And a lot of times, if you are a chorus member and you're really strong in your part, if someone can't do a certain part later on you might end up moving up because they realize oh well this person obviously is putting a lot of work in they really care i'm going to move them up so that's a good point and a lot of times if you have somebody on chorus by the way they handle their that chorus part you might in your head as a director think next time i gotta watch out for that person we we move people up in shows before mm-hmm. because of that we may have somebody quit and then somebody's been so strong in their choral role that we we just mm-hmm. upgrade them and say you know we don't need to look elsewhere we got the talent right here mm-hmm. well we had that happen a bunch with newsies because we just we had some bad luck with some people dropping out for whatever reason and we didn't need to go elsewhere we had all the talent we needed right there on that stage and it was just like here's the next person in line here's the next person in line and the show was just as strong mm-hmm. um as it would have been without but you know with those other folks. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy how much talent we have for that show, but, you know. Yeah, those chorus members in that show, like, they all moved up, and they were all still so amazing. Mm-hmm. You get chills awesome. just thinking about mm-hmm. some of those it's numbers that we had. Right now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, man, that's, that's what you're alluding to. I mean, you know, every member matters. Everybody mm-hmm. on that stage matters. It sounds so cliche, but, because... <laughs> Obviously, when I was only ever getting chorus roles, I, you know, you don't think you're important, and you get really tired of it, and then I, <laughs> that was also me. <laughs> okay, so then I moved to bigger roles, and now, like, I look back, and I look at, like, people I'm around, and it's like, like, you you really do need a good, you need a good chorus, so, like, every, everybody's important, like, they say that, and it's, like, one of those things where it's like, oh, easy for you to say, like, you've had a big role, you've never always been stuck in chorus. Sometimes you're in chorus because, like, you're a really strong dancer. And, like, you need really strong dancers. And then, like, in Hamilton, chorus is on stage all the time, Mm -hmm. which is, like, more than some of the lead characters are. So you may not have lines, but you may still get more stage time than Mm -hmm. other people. And sometimes the big parts just aren't meant for you. Mm -hmm. For me, the chill moment that I'm thinking about right now is in Newsies, if you know the show, is Once and for All. Mm -hmm. And 
once and for all does not happen like that if you don't have every one of those chorus members. And I can picture all of them standing around the theater in that moment. It's just so good. But it takes all of them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was so crazy good. And like... Like they said, everybody was there. It was not just the leads. And if it had just been, the leads, <laughs> I wasn't there. Aaron wasn't there. If it had not been just the leads, I sang the high note in the back. If that counts, <laughs> I tried. It, it, it was an amazing moment. That's awesome. that's the stuff that makes you keep coming back, though. That's the stuff that makes you keep coming back and doing this. Yeah, and as an individual in that song, you might not think that you're making that big difference, but I'm telling you, it takes every single person there to hit it together. You know, it's just amazing. Gosh, yeah, I got so many chills just thinking about that moment. Because when they, I mean, it's hard. That song was hard. But when they when they got it, it was just like, boom. Every single person was so into it. That show was just so good. I mean, I wasn't actually in the show. My mom still wanted a DVD. She was like, oh, it's just so good. You need to get a DVD because I want to watch that again. I wasn't even in it. So, like, it was really good. I mean, I guess you can. Wait, did you get it? I got it? one. Oh, you just never watched it? I watched it. You have? Newsies, yeah. Ours? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, though. I've never actually watched Sh- Shrek. <laughs> that's, a, that's okay. Jason's daughter is watching enough for yeah, everybody. <laughs> I, I have yet to watch it, but I have it. Good to know I'm not the only one who hasn't watched it. I have other reasons. It's just it. a little difficult yeah. time in my life yeah. at that yeah. time. But, yeah, it was a... Um, that's another reason why theater just going to be so great. It can pull you out of, out of things that are that are difficult, you know, and... That's the other. That's the other reason why I love doing theater. Is like you know you can you can take people away for two hours at a time, you know, and mm-hmm. take them whatever whatever is going on in their life. You can just suspend that and take them somewhere else and forget about all that stuff. Then mm-hmm. you know you've done a good job. I remember you saying that. I think maybe it was before our like opening night because I was like really nervous. And I was starting to, like, doubt myself. But then you said that, and I was like, like, I was like, you're right. Like, our our job is to tell a story. Yep. And that's what I'm going to do. Because you, you don't know who of the audience has got what going on, you know. Yeah. And I, I lost my dad right before Shrek, you know, night before. Um, you know, there might be somebody else in there that's experiencing the same kind of thing. You might have somebody out there that's going through uh, financial hardship, or maybe they just... Um, had a house fire or something and lost everything. You don't know. I mean, you don't know who's going to come through that door and sit down in those seats. Mm-hmm. But for two, three hours, you can completely take them away from whatever their problems are and bring them to your world and let them just forget about it. Mm-hmm. And you also and, don't know who's out there who you might hook for the first time. Yeah. It happened for us during Mamma Mia. There was somebody who was dragged to a show by a family member, had no in, no interest in theater, I don't want to be there, and midway through the first act, he's hooked. And after that show, I get a text message that says, hey, that was a great show, I'm going to buy tickets for the next one, and has been back, came back for Frozen Junior, and is ready for the next one, assuming we ever get to do it. But you never know, because if, if that show's bad, or if you don't give your all for that show, that person might be gone. And never come to theater again, because that was they were giving it that one chance. So you never know who's out there who you might be able to reach. Right. And the escape thing—that's true for the actors as well. Like there are so many times <laughs> true. You can, you're going yeah. through a really rough time in your real life, and then you go 
to your rehearsal and you drop all of your worries at the door and you just mm-hmm. become somebody completely different. And then you have problems, but they're <laughs> not your problems. And it's, it's hard to remind yourself that, but you just have to tell yourself, this is what I'm going to do right now. And I can come back to that later, but right now, you know, I love theater and this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to help other people. That was a release escape. for me. I mean, I, I don't remember the performance really at all, but man, it's sometimes like, it's scary how you could get so like into something, you know what I mean? Like yep. <laughs> uh, dialed, you get so dialed in as an actor and then, you know, you really, you really got something. If you can get so dialed in that you don't think about what's going on around you at all, like, um, man, that, 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 that takeaway is, it's just unmatched. I mean, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool when you, like, you finish a show and then you, like, look back on it and you're, like, you didn't even comprehend that there was an audience there at all because you were just, like, so into the show. Like, maybe sometimes you get brought back because of laughter or mm-hmm. um, reactions, but a lot of the times you, get, you just get so into it and you are you don't even notice there's anybody there. It's your story. You're telling it. It's a really cool feeling. Mm-hmm. Yes, just if we have one more thing, I'd like for Ray to, like, bring up, like, what our our plan is for our next adventure for Civic. Yes, um, please. I don't even know this. So it's still in baby details. Yeah, it's, but. it's still very much in the details, but with with COVID-19 hanging out, we were not able to do any of the things that we had planned on doing. So we had planned on doing 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee last spring, and then Freaky Friday this fall, and then Elf the Musical for Christmas, and those are all gone for now because you just can't, have rehearsals in an audience like you want to so we're working on plans for a virtual christmas show that would involve as many people as we can get involved um doing their parts recorded ahead of time so kind of part musical review with some dance and maybe some small skits and some storytelling um that we plan to audition pretty soon and then have everybody record their parts, whether it's an individual singing a song or two or three people dancing, and then handing it off to our an amazing technical director and letting him put it all together into a show that we can then put out there in early December as a, a Christmas offering. So if anybody's interested, they can certainly contact us. We have an email address, which is... Uh, jcountycivic at gmail.com mm-hmm. or so. just find me or Aaron because we'll, mm-hmm. we'll direct you you can and also find us on Facebook as well We're it's on online Facebook. so yeah. anyone can do it yeah. it's on both of our Instagrams well, one of the things that we're really looking for is that this show could be an opportunity for people who haven't been involved with us in a while and who've moved away to be mm-hmm. able to contribute because they can just sing a song from their home and record it and then get it yeah. to us and so it's a, an opportunity to branch out or maybe even someone who's, like, in college <laughs> and not available. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, maybe somebody who goes to, like, Bowling Green <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, I will I will be there. So not really, but I, on the computer. <laughs> pretty exciting adventure. Yeah. I think it'll be fun to put together. And it's not, it's not that it's going to be the same. It's not the same as live theater. There's nothing like live theater, but... Mm-hmm. Um, at least it'll give people something to do yeah. to perform. We want to give our perf- performers something to do because at this point it will have been a year since we've actually done anything on stage. And to their credit, Music Theater International is making this easier. They're providing ways to 
to live stream the show and to sell tickets and they're they're starting to make some shows available to perform virtually so we're going to try to take advantage of some of that and you know partner with them and and get something out there for our members and and for our audience that we don't we always spend a lot of time trying to build that audience we don't want to lose them just because we can't get on stage yeah i mean at least you're looking at it i mean the whole situation with coronavirus is a pain but you got to find the positives in every situation so i really like that idea i do as well i'm very much on board with that you weren't asking for our approval but we gave it to you but yeah, yeah. You got our I didn't know about that until just now. I didn't either. <laughs> we haven't really told very many yeah, people. We're uh, really in the early planning. Yeah, so yeah. the planning stage, you guys are debuting that, that little tidbit of information. So yeah. it hasn't our podcast been announced is going anywhere. to be famous It's going now. to be skyrocketing <laughs> and reviews and rave. Yeah. So. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Click subscribe. <laughs> subscribe because now you know the tea. <laughs> the coffee <laughs> joke. Uh, <laughs> I don't like us okay <laughs> okay oh, well wow. gosh we need to stop i know we that. always talk at the same time <laughs> we've been around each other too long again. yeah we start talking the same yeah but wow i loved this so much this, this makes really me so good. happy thank and you both of you for coming we i really learned so it. much yeah. that things i didn't even think about especially with like being open-minded whether that's the director the actors the audience just all that stuff I was glad to kind of get a new perspective. So thank you guys for coming. No problem. Um, Before we wrap things up. Oh, the coffee. Coffee. How was your coffee? It was good, but I was too engaged that I didn't finish it. I got close. You drink more than you normally do during this. I know. I always talk so much, and I don't even drink drink like, oh, mine's gone. Yours is always gone in the first, like, five seconds. Well, it's because you talk so much. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) It really is. Well, it's mostly during the musical review episodes, because while she's talking, I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'm, you know, chugging my coffee, and then it's gone. Yeah, that's true. So I think that's... All we have. Um, this is the longest episode we've done, so we won't bother yeah. you with our chit chat. Yeah, just episode eleven. We'll be reviewing the New Bremen Coffee Shop uh, products, so got to stay tuned for that. And it's an actual some... musical review, right? Episode eleven. No, it's listeners' listener stories. That's right. Our first. I'm listener excited stories. for that because we had actually excited. a lot of responses. Um. So yes. We and we got saying. another real special thing coming up. We do, but we can't. We can't tell say you it yet. yet. Super excited for that, but though. it's coming up. So Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Okay. As always, subscribe Patreon page, social media. <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> what are you even saying? You're not even saying words. Just well, we you know the drill. Every time, so I'm just gonna list them. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're smart. They know more than we do. They know. They know. What comes next? We don't. So, yes. We trust your opinion. <laughs> okay, Erin. Okay. You All done? right. I'm good. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.